From Glitch HQ on Riverside Avenue in sloppy, spring-like Minneapolis, this is Nice Games Club, the show where nice game devs talk gaming and game development. I'm Martha McGarry, and I make nice games. I'm Steve McGregor, and I make nice games. And I'm Ellen Burns-Johnson. I, too, make nice games. For this week's episode, our topics are team building and game identities. And so, if everyone is ready, let's start. Hi, Ellen. Yay! Wow. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Mark is in GDC, uh, you know, uh, schmoozing with the with the the big the big people. I don't know what what, what the fancy ones over there in San Francisco or whatever. And we're stuck here in the cold, cold Minneapolis. It's a little bit less cold now. It is less cold. It's it's almost spring. Um, so we got about two good weeks of winter or of, of good weather. And then, you know, we'll be right back into too hot uh, weather and it'll be great. <laughs> um, but Ellen is here to take Mark's place. I think I'm taking Mark's mic, but not Mark's place. <laughs> <laughs> he can't really be replaced. <laughs> um, but we'll have uh, Mark on for uh, a special GDC episode coming up uh, in next week, I think. Probably, you know, calendar math and all that. I don't, I don't know what day it exactly is. Um, but yeah. Uh, and then also, I wanted to bring up, we have a Nice Games Club channel on the Glitch Discord. Uh, we'll link to this in the, in the show notes. But uh, we've been posting um, the episodes and such in there, too. So you can uh, have discussions on there as well as on the MSP Game Dev Slack. Um, so yeah. Yeah. So if you're not in MSP uh, and don't really want to join our local Thing. Which is understandable. <laughs> um, you can join glitches because their their thing is open to everybody. Yeah, so. totally. Cool. Um, so uh, should I I'll start with my topic on? Uh, we have a new team member on oh. not on the Nice Games <laughs> Club uh, in the clubhouse today. Yes, because Ellen's here. Yes, and and so we can talk about team building. Yes. <laughs> I like the concept execution. (laughs) Hey, it's it's way harder than it looks to run this thing. Mark does a really good job every week. (laughs) This is true. Uh, Yes, so my topic is on team building, and not like team building is in those trust exercises when you fall into somebody's arms, but like you know, I mean, you could do that too. Yes, (laughs) but specifically, like how to craft a team that will be able to build your game, Um, because like. it's difficult. It's it's difficult to determine what exactly you want for your game, but also like, you know, who will be the right person, right fit for that. And maybe you not, don't necessarily know that person, but like you can uh, try to find them. Um, this is especially useful like as a tool for game jams because like I know that uh, people in the past have, uh, that is the hardest thing to do is to like find somebody to work with because if you find somebody who um, is not great to work with, then like you're stuck with them for 48 hours. <laughs> or however long it is. <laughs> and that's not fun. Um, and also, like, that'll end up detracting from the overall quality of your game. And that's 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 something you want to avoid. Um, so, yeah, I, I guess, like, uh, for me, I found that, like, uh, building teams is it's helpful to just start with, like, what, what kind of figuring out what it is you want to work with. Like, when we worked on a game, uh, the Game Jam Together, Ellen, mm-hmm. it was really, we ended up, Deciding what it is we wanted to do and then building that team right away. Yeah. Remember? Yeah. Yeah. That was really, that was valuable. <laughs> yeah. It went really smoothly, I thought. Mm-hmm. And especially since the game idea we had that year was 
pretty weird. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think that actually ended up helping in a in an interesting way because the the game we had was you know cooperative two player but the two players were looking at different things. Yeah. And they had to communicate um, verbally uh, what they saw on their on their interface. So one person was looking at something that was static, and one person was looking at the game that was moving. Um, and they had to figure out where they were. And I think the concept, I don't know, the concept was easy to talk about. Yeah. And I think that helped us get a team together really quickly. Yeah. Yeah. That, wow. Yeah. That's a good point. Like having a concept, being able to talk about your game and having like a fully, somewhat fully fleshed idea that you can tell people and get them excited about it will really help them, uh, you know, sell them on the idea to work on this thing. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. And I don't know, I don't have any magic recipe for finding that phrasing but you know like when you're trying to do a pitch yeah when you're trying to bring people on mm-hmm. you're basically trying to tell them a story of what the game is going to be and feel like right but you haven't made it yet yeah <laughs> <laughs> the age-old problem <laughs> in video games right hey come make this game with me uh i don't know what it is yet help <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> um yeah uh i mean and also it was really helpful when we were uh at the global game jam to just be around people we know um because you could just ask your friends uh hey uh you you do art help help with art which was really good <laughs> hey, hey you are art, art, can, art? Can, can you can you make an art <laughs> please art for me please uh yeah um and and even if your friends aren't necessarily experienced in uh whatever thing you may want for your game that doesn't mean that you can't ask them on because mm-hmm. Part of the nice thing about being friends is they're willing to do things for you, yeah. which includes, you know, learning things that they might not know about. Um, and it it would be valuable for them and you as a result, which is great. Uh, 3D art? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. That's the whole, that's hard too. Like finding, yeah. that's part of the difficulty is like uh, knowing what, like what kind of art you want and like what kinds of things you want. Um, because the person you pick is going to help determine even if like you're like the creative director, the person you pick is going to help determine what this thing is going to feel like at the end of the day too. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like if I were to do 3D art for you, it would be completely different from if Ellen were to do art or if Martha were to do art. Um, yeah, so like picking what person uh, makes sense for that is challenging. But I mean, it's also at the same time though, like that they're part of the team so they should have a little bit of say in how the creative direction goes, even if like you want to be the head on it or whatever. Mm. One of the things I actually really like about game jams, uh, especially, is because you, your, your constraint with time yeah. really makes it so that the the product is completely a, um, you know, a product of the game is a product of everyone. Mm-hmm. I think maybe a little more than if you had more time to build it, because if you have more time to build it, then you have more time for those conversations and that direction to kind of come forth. But sometimes with the game jam, you're just like, okay, well it works <laughs> enough. Yeah. And that, that can lead to some magical stuff that like, you know, if one person has a lot of control, wouldn't come through. Like with mm-hmm. that game, we were talking about Dicer in class dungeon skedaddle. Yeah. It's <laughs> <laughs> a great name. Even in retrospect, it's a great name. <laughs> it's pretty weird, which is perfect. Like one of the characters has three little orange legs. Mm hmm. And if I had looked at a bunch of concept art, I don't know if I would have chosen that, like from a creative directive perspective. Yeah. But when I see that little guy running around on the screen now, he's perfect. And yeah. I'm, I'm really glad. I'm really glad that came through. Yeah. 
I mean, but at the same time, uh, when we did, when we worked on Clawbreaker, Martha, like, um, uh, Ava, like, built a lot of our team, right? Because she just picked people she knew <laughs> to work on the game with her. Yeah. And she's just pitching an idea about crabs fighting, cutting each other's arms off. And we were all like, yes, let's do it. <laughs> I was just happy that someone was taking charge. Um, right, because that's where we met, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know I, I anybody. Forget that every time. <laughs> Oh, what a wonderful origin story. Um, yeah, but that, that ended up working out really well, uh, I think, because like because Ava was in charge and she was giving us ideas sort of from the top. But like she did definitely um, I, I, the way Ava approaches all of her projects, really, I think I'm, I'm speaking for her, which isn't good. Uh, <laughs> but from, from what your I, perspective, from my perspective, she approaches uh, projects like these. Uh, she wants she pulls people on her team and she allows them to just do their thing. Um, and so like we were given creative freedom as a result of that. And so we were able to, you know, code or art or design or however we pleased in order to, you know, get the game functioning. And then Ava, you know, uh, directed it and guided it towards the game. You can now buy on steam and itch. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. <laughs> yeah. I'm a great pitch man. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, but I think that I think that like that there's a bunch of different ways to go about it. Um, yeah, I think I think I like being on teams where someone knows, like, has a vision and is doing the vision. Yeah, um, because they can kind of like hold everybody into that. Yeah, and and like it feels comforting to have you know someone on top of that. Stuff. Yeah. Well, when but you- then at the same time, like sometimes it's really fun to have a. Or like it works better for certain groups of people to like be totally collaborative and have like no one be in charge. Yeah. And it just, it really depends on like who the mix of the group is, I think. Yeah, totally. Um, And when you uh, worked on the last GDC with uh, my brother and Lane and stuff, uh, how did, how did that team come about? Um, Lane was like, I want to work with you and a bunch of other people. Let's make a team beforehand because I hate doing team building. (laughs) Sure. We're like, I was like, same. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> um, but yeah, we added a couple people uh, at the jam too. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that that was more of a, I think, true collaborative effort, which was, I talked a little bit about it in the episode of, about um, game writing. Mm-hmm. Um, that like made some really wonderful things happen and then also made some like really weird compromises that I, I don't know like worked very well but it was the midpoint between two people's ideas yeah (laughs) (laughs) well i mean that's part of the creative process too especially like oh specifically in the game jam scenario because you know you don't have a lot of time to nail everything down right away Mm -hmm. um but uh yeah yeah totally uh figuring that all out and collaborating with people and figuring it out and compromises and all of that is part of the team team aesthetic (laughs) (laughs) um yeah there are um um, in terms of like you know full-fledged games that aren't just necessarily game jam games um building your team um uh help finding friends you know or making it a collaborative effort is uh i I guess like building a team with with that's not for a game jam team is just like building it as a in a larger scale um you need to make sure though that like your motivation stays up because, uh, I mean, I'm at that point with Vengeance where, like, we, we haven't really been working on it very much. Because, uh, 
we're all working on games full time and it's hard to keep yourself creatively motivated <laughs> uh, to keep working on the game. Um, and so like uh, it's helpful to have uh, it's helpful for like your whole team to feel uh, motivated to work on the game or even just have somebody who's like, let's do this, y'all. Because uh, then you feel like you want to do it, too. Um, but mm. it's difficult to, you know, sometimes you have to be that person. If you're like the creative director on the thing, then like you definitely have to be that person. But uh, if 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 it's like more of a collaborative effort, then, you know, sometimes one person will step up and do it or whatever else. Uh, it's difficult to. It's hard. To, it's hard to drive yourself to do it <laughs> sometimes. Yeah. 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 Well, and you bring up you bring up something really interesting, which mm-hmm. is like kind of the, the difference. The, the effect that time has. And I was thinking about this in terms of the game jam games that we were talking about. Yeah. You know, one thing I have found to be really helpful, not just in game jams, but kind of in team formation of any type is just to start at the beginning by asking everyone to clarify what their goals are for the experience. Yeah. So like, yeah, a game jam, the, the point, I guess that they put on the screen is try to make a game in 48 hours or in limited amount of time. But as individuals, you might have a different goal. And with, um, with the game, jam that you and I did together, Stephen, are we specifically said at the beginning of the game jam when we got the team together, okay, I want to finish this game by the end of the weekend. What do you want to do? I also want to finish this game by the end of the weekend. Great. So everyone was on the same page at the beginning of the at the beginning of the jam. Mm-hmm. In this the last global game jam, which was harder to say for some reason. Global <laughs> game jam. Say that three times last fast. Global game jam. Global jam. Yes. Um. Uh. We just. I just hung out with some people that I knew, and mm-hmm. our goal was, and we we talked about this at the beginning of the jam. We just wanted to hang out, make something sort of cool, and have fun. Yeah. And we ended up making a little game about cats. We didn't really finish it, but we made some cute cats. <laughs> so, yeah. Um. But the thing is, is if you're building something over a longer period of time, yeah, your your motivations can change over time. Yeah, your conditions well, change. Your that life totally changes. happened. Yeah, that totally happened with me and Vengeance. Like originally, Vengeance was. I mean, uh, I've talked about uh, Vengeance's story before, but like originally, it was supposed to be a small mobile game, and no games are ever small. <laughs> <laughs> um, but we were supposed to work on it for a little bit and just release it, so we had something that we could put on our resumes. Um, and then we were like, nope, this game sucks. We're going to do something different. And then we ended up making it uh, what is current Vengeance after a few rebuilds. Um, but like our what we wanted from it changed over time because like we wanted we wanted something to put on our resumes. But uh, now we want something that like is really good and that we can be really proud of. Um, and also we can put on our resumes. <laughs> <laughs> um, but like I, my motivations have also changed uh, because like I, I originally, I mainly just wanted to get something out there because uh, I wanted to say I did this thing. Um, but like I've, we've, re- uh, I've released games recently. Um, and now like I can say that I, you can look at this thing and say, I did this thing and I, I feel comfortable with that. And uh, so now I don't necessarily know what it is I want from Fingence. Um, but I do know I want to complete it at some point. Um, but yeah, your motivations totally change and that like can affect, uh, how, how you approach building the game and how you approach, uh, being, being motivated to finish, um, in a way that like it's, it's, it's hard to parse sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you don't know what's going to happen in your own, you know, in your own life. Right. And- it's interesting, like, I think we, we ask little kids all the time, what do you want to be when you grow up? No one has any idea. But, like, we also, are, I think, are expected to ask ourselves, what's your five-year plan? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what my five-year plan is. I'm going to be a different person in a year, let alone five years. Right. And so 
there's this tough thing, like we're supposed to plan for a future that we don't really understand. And that affects everything. But when it comes to developing a game with a team, you know, hopefully it's something everyone's really passionate about. So there's all this, it feels like it's a really risky thing when you're trying to commit to something, you don't want to back out, but your energy's not in it. Or maybe someone else's energy isn't in it anymore, but you need them for something. It's complicated relationships yeah. are complicated yeah. yeah that's why it's like good to like at least have some expectations up front about mm-hmm. stuff like i feel like uh with widget satchel like i like had a different understanding than mark did about like what i was going to do on the game and so like now i don't really have time the time that i had before to work on it and yeah. So we had a little bit like like a tension where I was like, I can't really do this thing that you yeah. asked me to do. But I mean, also <laughs> like your life changed too. So like you, yeah. you aren't necessarily able to put in the time that maybe you expected to in the beginning. Yeah. Well, I mean, like I think like we had a mismatch of like, commi- you know, what people had committed to do. Mm-hmm. And I think that can happen a lot too. It's like yeah. if you don't have a, that's why I advocate for contracts, even if it's a, if it, even if it's like a, for fun thing, you yeah. Know? Well, yeah, you don't want to end up getting, uh, you know, burned on the whole on a whole deal, and because like you had a misunderstanding about what it is that you wanted to do. Uh, um, well, yeah, like like I don't know if you, if if uh, Widget Satchel ends up taking off, if we hadn't like clarified specifically what it is we would be getting from the project, yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> then it might suck if I ended up with like a five dollar check at the end of the day and everybody else has a thousand bucks in their pockets or something. That, that's not going to be the case. <laughs> but yeah, um, yeah, uh, and I, I think that like one one way that is important about like you know establishing these kinds of things ahead of time is particularly revenue. How are you going to pay mm-hmm, your teammates? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, especially like if you are the, if you're like the creative director and like you're trying to, you're pulling people on your team so they can build this thing for you. You have to find some way to pay them. And um, it can't just be in uh, exposure. <laughs> <laughs> or food. Right. <laughs> I mean, food is nice, but. Food's but, a perk. Yes. Food is a perk. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So, I mean, one way to do it is, you know, to just pay in straight cash, uh, you know, give them uh, a set, um, amount for the work that they're doing or uh, maybe like an hourly thing for however many hours it takes for them to do the thing. Um, another option is to give them, you know, percentage of sales. Uh, I think that's, that's how we're, we're approaching widgets actually really because uh, we, we're not uh, getting paid to do it. <laughs> so like hopefully uh, maybe widgets actually will uh, take off and we can get a little bit of revenue from that. Um, and then also um, giving up a little bit of creative control. Um, even if you have like a huge vision for what you want for your game, it doesn't necessarily mean that like you can't uh, sacrifice a little bit of that for the game to actually get, get done. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's worth it um, at the end of the day. So that you can have a finished product instead of something um, that you're just dreaming of. So. Yeah. Yeah. Done is better than perfect because right. perfect doesn't really exist anyway. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, it was really interesting what you were t- saying about contracts or that because uh, one of the, things my husband is a scrum master and we talk about this stuff all the time uh, because that's what a scrum master does is they serve the team and they, they help the team get stuff done and be more cohesive. And he, he talks about how he encouraged his team to kind of sign a working agreement with one another um, because ultimately 
constructive relationships are built on clearly understood boundaries. Yeah. And I think in a working sense and I, for a while, um, maybe when I was less experienced and maybe <laughs> even more immature, <laughs> um, I thought that, that those kinds of things were unnecessary. And if you ha- really respected each other, you didn't need those kinds of strict um, expectations laid out, but the reverse is true. You know, mm-hmm. the, it's the ex- expectations and the clarity of those expectations and those boundaries that allows, you know, working relationships to thrive or maybe any kind of relationship. But if you want to really get something done, it's being clear about your expectations and what your limits are is really important. Yeah. 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 And that's hard too, because like sometimes you don't know your limits or sometimes it's, it's hard to like assert yourself. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it is important because like, you know, you're important. Um, and yeah, you need to keep that in mind when you're uh, joining a team or building a team. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't want to like get, uh, you don't want to like screw yourself out of, you know, uh, making a good product or being satisfied with your product um, because you uh, you want to want it to be nice or whatever else. Um, yeah. But it, like I said, it's hard. <laughs> <laughs> I struggle with that myself. So it's the creative process again. Yes. <laughs> Valuing yourself is really important. Too. Mm-hmm. And like and. And I think being transparent when things change, like you said, mm-hmm. you don't always know what your limits are. Yeah, right. Oh, actually, ideally, you you are find yourself in that position a lot because that means that you're pushing yourself to grow. Yeah. So if you know your limits really well, it's time to step out of your comfort zone. You know, try to test that a little bit, but mm-hmm. then also be honest when you find that. Yeah. When you find that line, uh, a really good leader of people can adapt to that because that's why leaders exist. A good leader can adapt to that. That's what their job is. Yeah. Um. So if, you know, something changes and ends up being a big problem, well, you, you can't expect people to never change. You know, change is the only constant. So if you're leading a project, expect that the people who are working with you on it, are their needs and their capabilities are going to change. And that's something that you should lead into and work with and um, take advantage of if you can. Because it's not just necessarily change like in a bad way. Um, where people might be less available, someone might change in a good way where they become way more interested than they thought they would be, and you can mm-hmm. take advantage of that. Yeah. So embrace the change. Yes. <laughs> yes. Oh, man, we should totally do a topic on leadership because that's wonderful. I liked all of that. <laughs> all that you just brought up was very, very important stuff. <sighs> cool. Yes. <laughs> when... You bring lots of different people together, mm-hmm. they will form the identity of your game. Y- y- yes. Because they <laughs> will be collaborating on what it is. Yes. There we go. Sure. <laughs> Got to it finally. I like Martha's transitions. <laughs> <laughs> you heard it here first, folks. <laughs> Best transitions. <laughs> um so yes game game identities ellen this was a thing you pitched to us yeah so this kind of came out of i'm not gonna go too in the details um because you know mark's gonna be uh talking about this i'm sure on the gdc episode but he took widget satchel there and had some people play it and got some really interesting feedback from players like you do mm-hmm. and also like you do um, some people had ideas for what should be in the game instead or what shouldn't have been done or why did you do this and yeah. what, you know, why can't you where, do this in the game? Where's the jetpack and the rocket boots? <laughs> <Yeah>. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Dang, what were we thinking? 
sequel material. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it, it kind of got me thinking, like, I don't feel bad that we didn't have those things in the game. And, the, and you can't make one game be all games mm-hmm. by definition. So there's always going to be stuff. Except if it's Minecraft. Minecraft can be all games. <laughs> and Minecraft can be all games. Yeah. Because you can literally make a computer in Minecraft. Yeah, it's, which it's, more, of a, it's more of a game engine at this point than a, than a game, <laughs> I think. <laughs> anyway, continue. <laughs> Look, I built Unity in Minecraft. <laughs> literally. Yeah. I, I built Widget Satchel in Unity in Minecraft. Oh, wow. <laughs> Meta. Yeah, no one's done that. Um, yeah. So where do you, f- I guess the question is, where, how do you think about that balance point? What, mm-hmm. what you include in the game, what you decide not to include in the game. Yeah. And, you know, where do you find kind of that center of focus for each game that you're, that you're trying to make? Because um, every single game, there's more that wasn't included in it mm-hmm. than was included in it. Yeah. And how did, how did you, how did you come up with that? How did you determine what, should and shouldn't be in your game? Yeah, I think just how do you how do you think about that question? Because that question is going to continually come up whenever you're play test whenever you're play testing it, whenever you're adding a new feature. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've seen that you know in the games that we've built, you'll start building it, and then you'll have another idea of another thing you could have. Yeah, and maybe you can put that in, or someone else will have an idea of what you should have, and you think no, that's not right. Mm-hmm. Okay, so but where does that sense come from, and how do you think about it, and how do you stay true to it while also, um adapting to good stuff that comes along. Yeah. So I don't think there's a finite like formula for this. I mostly was just curious to kind of hear your experiences in making those kinds of decisions Yeah. and to see what comes out of that. Yeah. I really love this question because like you, you do have to struggle with it like throughout the whole process. It's not something you just answer right away at the beginning. Like, oh, this is going to be this thing because uh, it changes and morphs um, as you work on it. Because you realize that, oh, this thing doesn't actually really work that well. Or, oh, you know, this would work really good. And I think it would be better for the game if I added this here. Um, and, and and as you're doing that, you're shaping the identity of your game. Um, but it also, like, um, it, because it's morphing and stuff, you have to keep asking yourself, what what is this actually, what this game actually is? And do I like it? Do I want to keep working on it? Yeah. <laughs> is, it some, is it something that, that I want to complete? Uh you know, um, and uh, yeah, there is no, I don't think there is a definite answer because really at, at the end of the day, every game could be worked on indefinitely uh, and it still wouldn't be finished ever. Um, you just have to, you just have to stop at one point and say, you know what, this is good enough. I added enough things. I removed enough things. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I don't have a good answer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I kind of like what you said about rem- like adding enough things and removing enough things. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying the, to think of a good analogy, but I'll keep thinking about it. Yeah. I'm oh, okay. um, I was remembering a, a GDC talk I was, I think, watching on the vault or mm-hmm. something. Um, uh, it was a product manager person, and she was talking about like the design pillars of your game, and whenever you're like you, you pick these like three or four things that like you want your game to do or be, and like you want it to you know make people happy when they play it, and you want to you know make a the jump, like the jump is really important, yeah, mm. uh, or something like that. Um, and then every time you 
are evaluating whether you should like bring this new feature in or this new part of the game or you're getting feedback from people to like look at your design pillars and be like does this add like does this work with these things we decided are definitely in the game yeah (laughs) or or does it take away from that and then like that kind of can help to help you decide although i've had little success with this so far with the game i'm the point and click game i'm making because i think my big problem is that i don't know exactly what i want to make yet so i haven't actually done any made anything (laughs) (laughs) but you haven't you haven't fully built your your uh design design pillars pillars. yeah i mean that takes time and also i don't know how i haven't seen this talk but uh did did this person talk about like can your design pillars pillars change over time i don't remember what she said about okay. that. <laughs> i think she was just laying out the it was like a 101 level talk so it was like t- just laying out like the idea of them yeah well i mean that's important so uh, uh but that that's you, a good question yeah. <laughs> that helps you form your ideas around something um and i then, suppose they could yeah yeah i think they could totally change um I suppose like the metaphor of pillar gets iffy at that point. Cause like you're not <laughs> normally taking out pillars and putting them back in, but I, I guess you do that actually. Now I think about it, right? But you houses? do it more rarely than you would like you take out a, a, a load bearing wall less more like less than you would take out a not load bearing. Right. Yeah. Cause the load bearing wall is holding the house up. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Metaphors. Okay. The metaphor totally works. Yes. If, if your game is a house, you take out all the other pillars before you take out the load-bearing ones. And you can like change the paint color and like, you know, <laughs> add a room on. Yes. <laughs> but <laughs> you wouldn't redo the foundation except for if it had cracks in it. This is getting too far into yeah. the house part of it. What do you guys think about design tires? Ooh. What? I'm just making a joke. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> Uh, well it makes sense it's kind of like the soul of your it's like the soul of your game mm-hmm. yeah. it's interesting we were talking about like come, when you're trying to pitch a game like at a game jam we're trying yeah. to get team members on we talked about how it's kind of can be helpful to come up with like a good story of what your game is mm-hmm. and maybe that story is like related to the pillars and the foundation of your game um, but that's also really hard to put into words I think sometimes because sometimes the, sometimes the foundation is def- I mean it should be a feeling right Yeah, like there should be a lot of a lot of those pillars should be emotions and um, we've been struggling for a really long time to figure out how to communicate emotions. Um, yeah. Right. As humans. Mm-hmm. So. Hmm. But I mean, sometimes it, it doesn't necessarily even have to be emotions. It could just be, um, uh, it could be a, um, um, like a design concept. Maybe. I don't know. Like that could be an aspect of it. Like with widget satchel, the uh, original identity of the game was really like, uh, it was built off of the Ludum Dare topic that, that they picked for us, which was, I can't remember what it was. It was um, every, things that you pick up can hurt you or something like that. Yeah, like less, the more you get, the less you have or something. Yeah, yeah, it's, it was mm. something like that, right. And so I guess like every, almost everyone's Ludum Dare project was that identity. Um, but the game has changed since then because like, you know, we have junk in the game. The oh, original yeah. game did not have junk. And it's much better for it <laughs> and stuff like that. Um, and so like the, the, the identity of the game now is more like causing mischief. Hmm. Uh, 
which I, I mean, like, I'm glad that it's gone in that direction, but it's completely changed from that. Uh, but like the, the, I, I guess that's not that we were going for like an emotion and a feeling with it now, but like the original thing was more of a design concept. Mm, that's mm. how we started with it. And then all of these random ideas came because it's a game jam and you just go with whatever somebody says first. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> um, so like it worked, it worked, uh, it worked for that. Um, but like sometimes, yeah, you just start with a design concept, I think. And that is like the identity of it. Mm. Um, that's kind of how Fingence works. Cause like we wanted a game to be approachable for people cause teamwork is important. Um, so we need to, you know, get people to come in and try the game out. We wanted the game to be approachable for people to, to, to play. And speaking of changing, completely changing your design pillars, because didn't that start as a mobile game that was like competitive or something? Yes, it totally was. <laughs> it totally was a competitive game that like where you picked up things and like it, you can use that to mess up other people. And then it was, um, it didn't work, I guess, as well as we wanted it to, but uh, it, yeah, totally changed. Um, yeah. And then, and, and, and it, uh, wow. Yeah. Games change all the dang time. <laughs> <laughs> it reminds me of that poem. Oh, now I'm not going to be able to find it. Um, but it's a poem. It's really good. It's about the, um, this uh, woman who is trying to write, like she hears the poem coming across the prairie. Okay. And and then like she has to run and get her pen and she just gets the tail end of it as it like flies by her. Uh, kind of cool. Yeah. Cool imagery. Yeah, like so that's that. kind of how your game goes. So you're like, you only get parts of the idea. And then it like morphs and changes. Mm-hmm. Oh, I want to make a game. You have to chase after it. Catching a poem. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. That's your, that's your first design pillar. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> About being too slow. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. So I, uh, I have a burning question for you now, Steven. Yes. Is it the same game? Is is Vengeance. Like is Vengeance the same we're game? We're talking about game identity, right? Mm-hmm. So like you said, it started out as a mobile competitive game yeah. and now it's, it's definitely not that. Not that. But I think that like after we decided on what the game was and then we've been working on it for so long, it's I think that like that that identity is still there. The teamwork being um the core of it mm-hmm. is still there. Uh we added in a bunch of other features and things like you can, you know, pick up op- or pick up um abilities that like change your ship and stuff. But at the core of that is, you know, it's a way to morph your ship so that it works better for the team you've built. Mm-hmm. Um, and the team you're building um, it's to get through each of the levels. Um, so, like, yeah, all of the characters and things like that, we wanted to make sure that, like, all of it is uh, is fun to work as, as a team. Um, so I think that, yeah, I think that, like, it has stayed as a core part of the game uh, the whole time, well, at least after the three months or whatever we worked on the mobile version of it. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, but, like, the, the specifics of it has still changed each time. Um, because like you know uh originally like the game was not so much it wasn't so much of a shooter because like uh really the bullets felt terrible <laughs> things like that we were trying to figure out how the game worked um uh yeah uh but like you know it 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 the the rest of it the shape of it has morphed but i guess the heart is still there mm-hmm. that's how i like to describe it yeah that first main load bearing wall yes means <laughs> intact yes exactly Yes, the foundation is still is still there. Cool. Has has no cracks. It's perfect. <laughs> um I definitely like what you brought about when you like brought up the first part of the the um this is that like your game cannot be everything. Yeah. Um and like you can use that um as uh 
in relation to like when you're getting feedback. I think. Yeah. How do you tell someone like your feedback is not good, yeah. but like, that's not what you want to say. So, <laughs> like, no, we're not doing your idea. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, I'll consider that. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> your feedback is, 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 will be heard. Your mm-hmm. <laughs> feedback is important to us, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's what it is. Speaking of nice games that close such feedback, uh, <laughs> um, I, I feel like I've, I've a, I approach it in that like, I like to hear out what other, what people think about it because when they're giving you advice or things that they want for the game, what they're really, what they really are telling you is what they want from the game um, and what they don't like about the game. Um, and it, I mean, it's difficult to parse. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you can parse it, then you can get some interesting information about like what works for it. Not every game is for everyone. Um, but sometimes uh, somebody is like somewhat on board with it and give you like little random nuggets of information that will let you can use to like improve that or, you know, maybe um, broaden the, the potential audience of the game. Do you have any examples of like feedback that's like on point? Of someone who understood what the core game was, um, I suppose with like Treasure Stack, uh, uh, we have like a we have a Discord channel, and people seem to like understand the core of the game. I mean, it's largely you know um, a, a platformer puzzle mix, um, and so uh, I think a lot of the core, really, like the core of it, is like the competitive aspect. Um, you know, getting a high score or getting a, uh, or beating your, or surviving longer than your opponent. Um, and so I think that like people on the discord, they seem to have a good understanding of what it is and they'll give feedback and stuff relating to like things that will help that process, um, improve. Mm, mm. Uh, so like we've been working on features that will, uh, allow you to like retry right away and stuff or rematch your opponent, um, immediately. Um, which is good because like that, it, it, um, I agree with that feedback. <laughs> As a person who dies constantly, <laughs> yeah, it's it's yeah, it's valuable stuff. Um, because like yeah, then you're like more willing to keep going at it and keep playing it and keep improving. With if like uh, you're not having to butt up against the game a bunch or having to go through a bunch of menus or whatever to to, to keep com- competing. Um, and so like that kind of feedback is valuable. That kind of stuff is very useful. Um, those are those are the kind of examples I would think of. One thing I think that um, you're totally onto something that when someone says you should have this feature, mm-hmm. they're addressing uh, a, a a gap in their experience yeah. that they'd like to see filled. So uh, one thing that I've felt is helpful in doing testing sessions for any product, I guess, mm-hmm. um, is when someone suggests a feature try to rephrase it as, okay, so it sounds like uh, you're making that suggestion because you felt like this at this point. Yeah. Um, because some people just don't, they, they'll go right to a solution rather than talking about the the the, the gap, right? Because the yeah. gap is an emotional thing and it's just more comfortable for them to go to a solution and that's fine. And maybe they haven't like figured out all of their emotions yet in the moment, but they were, they could detach themselves to an idea that they really liked yeah. about it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, um, so, you still want to figure out what the gap was, mm-hmm. you know, and then hopefully if you decide it's a, a serious design challenge for the game, like if you want to solve that as a designer, then you can think about how to solve it. And maybe the way that you solve it is the way they suggested, mm-hmm. but ultimately you want to really understand what problem they're trying to solve. And so you want to understand what their experience was and where the gap was. So if they say something like, 
well, I really think that you should add more snakes. Um, <laughs> you can say, okay, well, what would snakes bring to the game that you don't think it has already? Mm-hmm. And they'll say, well, it just needs more sound and hissing would be cool. So snakes. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. That's like, I like that. Like you kind of have to approach when you're getting feedback. Um, um, as though like you were a therapist. <laughs> <laughs> yes. That's pretty accurate. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. So like you have to, you have to figure out what it is that they're trying to get at at the, or, at the core of what their idea you need their identity of their idea Ooh, bringing it back mm, loops and circles full circle uh yeah yeah like that i like that i think that's that's important and i like how i like that way of phrasing it um like what 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 would this bring to the game yeah 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 and it's going to get you more constructive conversation than if you just go this game isn't about snakes dude yeah yeah <laughs> right no <laughs> Yeah. I'm tired of these snakes on this plane. <laughs> yes. More planes. It also needs more planes. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then, I mean, also sometimes, you know, just explaining what the core of the game is to somebody will help them give you valuable feedback too. Um, because uh, it helps, it helps them understand what it is you're trying to do with this game. Mm. Um, and I think everybody thinks, you know, that they're like designers and they have an idea of what makes a good game, what makes a bad game. Um, uh, some people are more practiced at it than others. <laughs> That's why we have game designers. Um, but like uh, get, people getting, giving you feedback and such, um, it, it's helpful for them as the person giving feedback to know what it is you're looking for from the game and from them. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, just describing like what your game is um, before they play it will help them. Mm. Um, instead of just throwing the controller at them and say, play this thing. Because <laughs> yeah. then they don't even know what to expect. And when they play it and they don't get what they have no idea of what it is, then they'll be disappointed. <laughs> right. You have to like simulate the storefront, basically, of being mm-hmm. like, here's the blurb that you would buy this game for. Yeah. And then does that live, like, would you give this a thumbs up? Like, what would be the feedback from, what does it reach the expectations you had from the blurb? Yeah. And like, Figuring out what the core of your game is will help you write all this marketing stuff because right. then you can tell people exactly what they should expect. Yeah. yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, even if your game isn't a narrative-driven game, your the the game as a product has a story, mm-hmm. and you get to you're the storyteller. Yeah. So pillars. Yeah. Um. <laughs> but like, how do you right. how do you how do you determine what? What you shouldn't have in your game, and not just like as a as a person. Does this feedback. game that game design element bring you joy? Yes, <laughs> right. <laughs> you gotta recondo your game. <laughs> Which oh boy, yeah, uh, yeah. How do you determine that? How do you determine like what game works or what things work for your game? What things don't work for your game? I I, I guess I guess that's the the core question that we were asking in the first place. Yeah. <laughs> But I wanted to bring it back to that. I wanted to, I, because I, I, I'm curious what other people's thoughts are. I think what we, just just kind of summarize what we've talked about so far. Yeah, some useful things that you can do to help make those decisions throughout your design and development process mm-hmm. is try to define the story of your game. Yeah, you can use the pillars to do that. Yes, and I'm assuming we're going to try to track down that video and put it in. Yes, the show. Yeah. Yes, we will. Okay, cool. <laughs> Hopefully, it is an actual video. Okay, <laughs> that's available. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> if it's not, Martha will make it. Just kidding. <laughs> um, no, I can't remember if I watched it online or if I was at GDC and saw it. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, it's probably in the vault by now. That's true. That's true. Um, but anyway, continue. And there's feedback and getting yes. feedback and understanding what the what problems your player is trying to solve mm-hmm. if and when they make design suggestions or feature suggestions and whatnot. Yeah. Okay, I think that's everything we've talked about so far in regard to that topic. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I get, I, oh, everyone, everyone has something. Yeah. I was just going to say, I think the other thing is like, it's never done, right? Like this mm-hmm. is an ongoing process and right. as long as you're going to work on the game. So yeah. be prepared to keep coming back to that and yes. keep asking yourself the same questions. Yes, totally. Um, but like, uh, if you, there's always really cool ideas that you'll have in the, in the, in the process of development, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but, when how how do you how do you give yourself permission to say nope this thing isn't going to go in because it doesn't make sense or I don't have time or I don't like it or I don't like it <laughs> <laughs> right how do you how do you, how do you know that hmm you have to hold the game in your hand <laughs> <laughs> yes write the game design idea in your hand and in, in, in on paper Take it. <laughs> Hold it to your chest. Hold it to yeah. your chest. Does it bring you joy? <laughs> Does it make you smile? Does it make you want to pick up the controller? Yes. Then it goes in. <laughs> then it goes in. <laughs> if, it, if, if does it is it does if it can you feel that it would fit the budget? And <laughs> <laughs> when you look at your calendar, do you have space? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think. Uh, okay, so in my day job, I'm a product yes. owner. So mm. a product owner's role is to say no. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, it's to fig- it's to well, it's to maximize the amount of work not done, right? Because you're sure. working with a team, and you need to like balance the team's time and value everyone's time on the water on the on the project or the product. But you also need to bring something to life. So, yeah. um, defining what your what your product, what your game is. Um, and needs to be helps you make those decisions about what's what's in and what's out. But you also can't make those decisions in a vacuum without considering how much effort it's going to take mm-hmm. and how m- many um, people it's going to take. Yeah. And if you're relying on other resources like space or time or you know like or money, for example, yeah. how much of that you have left, and you really have to consider all of that together. I think the thing that can get really challenging is when you're doing it by yourself. Oh yeah. You know, like when you have other people, you can make that decision together and you can always think of your, you can always use the people that you're working with as kind of like a creative limitation. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, this would be a cool idea, but we'd like to release this in two months and people are getting tired. So it's going to go in the no pile. Yeah. When you're working by yourself, it's like, okay, but this is only just one more night of work. <laughs> yeah. I think. Yeah. Um, but then you do it again for another thing and then it's another night of work and you do it for five other things and it's five more nights, you know, mm-hmm. and then you're getting tired. So five nights become seven nights. Um, yeah. And I think it's a lot harder to create that discipline of maximizing the amount of work not done, I guess. Yeah. When you're by yourself. So another good reason to form a team. <laughs> yes. Oh, we're just all circles here. Everything's connected. <laughs> <laughs> Do 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 do. (laughs) (laughs) 
wonderful. <laughs> so, do you have any other? Do you have any other questions about game identity? You want to um, out? No, I mean, I, I don't think so. I would mm-hmm. be really curious to hear um, from listeners what their reaction is on this because yeah. I don't think. I mean, again, I don't think there are any firm answers. I think it's really just a conversation about conversations. Um, yeah, I like the one that we had, <laughs> <laughs> but I think as we said several times. You have to keep having it. Mm-hmm. So, and will you join us on this conversation? Yeah, you yes. can do that. Does this conversation <laughs> spark joy? <laughs> <laughs> Hold your phone to your chest. And think about the podcast. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think that is our show. It's it's done now. Okay, <laughs> we're gonna box that up now. Um. If you haven't already, subscribe to Nice Games Club in your favorite podcast app. And be sure to give it a good review if you liked it or are nice like us. We really need to know you're out there, so leave a review and tell all your friends too. We also want to hear directly from you, so follow us on Twitter and all the other things at Nice Games Club and email us at contact at nicegames.club. Lastly, you can find out more about the show, Your Nice Hosts, Ellen, our nice guest host, as well as get all the links and show notes from this and other episodes at nicegames.club. So until we start again, remember to play nice and make nice. So until we start again, remember to play nice and make nice. Oh, right. I'm stopping it. <laughs> Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun... Yeah, you get it every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.